Welcome to Sold Out Sports Talk with your host, Roman Gabriel III. Up-close conversations with high-impact personalities from the world of sports and entertainment. Follow Roman on Twitter and Facebook at Roman Gabriel 3. Today's show will feature interviews with former Minnesota Vikings defensive back Leonard Wheeler and former Vikings quarterback Brad Johnson. Visit SoldOutTV.com for all things faith, family, and sports 365 days a year. And follow Roman on Facebook at the Roman Gabriel III fan page. Now, here's Roman Gabriel III. Welcome to Sold Out Sports Talk on American Family Radio. We've got a great show for you. Coming in, one of our good friends of this show, and uh, we figure because uh, Super Bowl coming up and there's a chance that his former team, the Minnesota Vikings, may be in it, uh, Leonard Wheeler with us, a seven-year career with the Bengals, Vikings, and Panthers at DB, uh, Troy University, and also uh, had a small stint up here in, in near Boone, North Carolina. Uh, but uh, he lives in Charlotte, businessman and uh, NFL entrepreneur, a lot of things going on with him. Leonard, great to have you back. Oh, thank you so much, Roman. I appreciate it, brother. Hey, this is this is kind of this is kind of big. I mean, a few years ago, your your former team, the Panthers, went to the Super Bowl, and uh, this weekend, NFC AFC Championship games. You got the uh, Eagles hosting your old Minnesota Vikings, and uh, AFC tilt between the Jacksonville Jaguars, the underdogs, going up to uh, play. Well, a tough chore. The New England Patriots looking for a second straight Super Bowl. Uh, so we'll know what uh, the Super Bowl looks like in Minneapolis, Minnesota, coming up next week. But uh, tell me about your time with the Vikings, uh, Leonard. You know what? It was it was probably one of the uh, it was probably a growth year for me. I mean, I was blessed to play in the league for eight years. I played my first five years in Cincinnati, and let me just tell you, as far as growing as a man, growing as a dad, uh, growing as a football player understanding the nuances of playing in the league. I probably grew the most there because we had so much accountability and so many veterans like Brad Johnson, Chris Carter, Randall Cunningham, John Randall, Randall McDaniel. We had people, we were surrounded with people that created such a great accountability um, kind of, uh, it was it was interesting, man. But needless to say, I had the best time of my life playing in Minnesota. So tell me about what it's like to play on a veteran team. That's something that uh, is kind of gone by the wayside a little bit with free agency in terms of it, it seems that on a lot of teams in the NFL today, once you get to that veteran status and, and the money gets better, they have a tendency to maybe want to move you out before the money gets too big or to bring in uh, maybe somebody that's uh, maybe as good but less on the, on the paycheck because of the salary caps right. and all those kind of things. But what is it like to play on a team with those kind of names and with that kind of veteran leadership and uh, experience in playing the game? Well, they have experience on and off the field. And I don't know if it's quantifiable, Roman, but playing on a team with veterans, they have more discernment. Uh, You're able to really go to them and ask them some real-life questions. And if you have – I remember when I came to the Panthers, uh, I was probably one of the most one of the older guys at the age of 30 years old. So here I am in Minnesota being one of the younger guys, but at the same time, these guys are future Hall of Famers, and they're leading in the locker room. Like, they have a voice in the locker room, but they also allow you to have a voice along with them. Leonard Wheeler with us, former NFL DB and uh 
Leonard, you've uh, kind of taken that experience um, of playing in the NFL, and, and you said you know the important lessons that you learn not just on the field but off the field when you're part of a group of a small group of guys that spend so much time together, and especially in today's game where it's 365 days a year. Um, mm-hmm. Tell tell me about your business. Um, um, you're out there. Uh, you're teaching corporations, team concepts, working with CEOs of large corporations. And looking to uh, improve productivity in the business place. So, h- how does that translate from your football career to what you're doing now? Oh my God, Rome! This is what I love to talk to guys about, and really just it, it, it can be anyone trans- transferring from athletics into the real world. Is that you have transferable skills that people just don't have otherwise. I mean, you have learned to play as a team. You've learned to understand what the locker room represents. You've learn to understand a structured life you've learned to be driven and so what i did was when i started my company 17 years ago i started doing global executive coaching and speaking and it was really a great transition for me because i was able to incorporate all the skills that i've been learning since i started playing football at five years old into how to be successful and learn how to ask good questions like that's one thing that, that, that I learned how to do uh, from playing the game as well is that learn how to ask why and learn how to ask how. Well, the thing that's interesting to me about the the corporate atmosphere is that there, you know, there used to be there's a lot more stability. Uh, where you could work for a corporation or a business most of your life and then retire out, but uh, over the last ten years, that's changed, hasn't it? It has really changed, bro. And you know what? And a lot of that, um, a lot of that comes from, you know, millennials aren't, uh, you know, they're not as loyal sometimes as the baby boomers were. But a lot of times they don't have to be either. I mean, they have a skill set, and what they want is they want people to respect their skill set. So in turn, what happens is is that you're not going to get that same loyalty as you did back in the days when I was, you know, when I was growing up at their age. Leonard Wheeler with us. And if you want to learn more about Wheeler Enterprises, learn more about his career and about his business and about what he's doing in the community, you can go to LeonardWheeler.com. And, of course, you can follow him at Leonard Wheeler. Just check him out on Instagram and Twitter and Facebook, all those places, to find out more about what he's doing out of his uh, home base in Charlotte. Um, you know, Leonard, you've been involved as an NFL transition coach, um, South Regional Director uh, for NFL players. Uh, how, is, how has all that you've talked about helped in terms of working with some of these young players? And, of course, you come from a time where the money was good, but not anywhere near what it is like it is when these kids come out of college today. So uh, what are some of the things, you know, for fans out there that don't realize this stuff's going on that, that are available for young players that come into the league and for transitioning players out of the league? Well, that's a great question, Roman. I think it's important to respect, to respect the players where they are. I know I talked to some of the older guys at times in there, they're a little upset that the players are making so much money. And I said, you know, think about the money that you made and the people that played before you didn't make. And so what we ought to do is we're to set the standard to make sure that the guys behind us and the families behind us are set up better than we were. And so one of the messages that I continue to tell people is that don't underestimate the power and the influence that you have in creating your transition moving beyond the game. 
You have a lot of influence. You have a lot of value. Don't underestimate your worth. And continue to know that success in football can equal to success after the game of football as well. Former Minnesota Vikings, Cincinnati Bengal, Carolina Panther defensive back Leonard Wheeler here on American Family Radio on Sold Out Sports Talk. And, uh, you know, you and I, uh, you know, come from kind of the old school. Um, obviously, you're in an interesting position, and, and I really wanted to get your opinion on this because um, so many fans this year have been upset with the NFL and the decisions that have been made, you know, based on the kneeling whole situation around the national anthem and discord. Uh, some of Roger Goodell, the commissioner's decisions, PR decisions that the NFL has made, and obviously it's cost the NFL in the short term here. We don't know what's going to happen in the long term, but they've, they've been off about a little over 8%. And for a $17 billion business, that's a lot. Um, but you're, you serve and help and talk to a lot of military people. You deal with a lot of corporate people. You deal with everyday fans, with, with current and former players. Um, where is the middle ground, if there is one, Leonard, with this whole kneeling situation in terms of what's going to happen moving forward for next year? Well, and, and that's an interesting question. It's a loaded question uh, because it has a lot of different variables, tentacles to it. I think uh, there are different solutions, okay? Uh, number one is that really understanding and, and, and respecting, I, I really do believe, at the end of the day, it comes back to respect. It comes back to one of the biggest lessons, Roman, I think you and I learned when we were small, is that love, right? Whenever things are mentioned out of something beyond respect and love, it's always blown out of proportion. Right. I think it's great for us to make sure that we ask better questions. One thing that I do know is that people aren't going to, people will not agree with some of the decisions that are made. I mean, you know, you, we have some employees that might not agree with some of the decisions that are made. But what happens is, is that when those decisions are made, what are we going to do about it at that point? And what I want to do is I want us to make sure that instead of us shutting each other out because we don't agree with something, that, that we learn to embrace each other and learn to ask each other better questions. So instead of me shutting you out or shutting you down, I want you to come to me with an open mindset, and I want to invite you in so that you can ask me better questions and I can learn to ask you better questions. And I think if we did that more, Roman, then we'll, we will all be on the same page going forward and we'll respect each other's opinion, and we will expect, and we will respect each other's difference in opinions as well. Do you think because the NFL is insulated, it's a small, it's a small uh, group, players are insulated because of just the, the confines of being on a football team and the privacy of the locker room and being together all the time, do you think that leads to the fact of not being sensitive or understanding of the regular fans' opinion out there and what they're going through and what they're talking about? Well, I think that sometimes this is what I believe. I believe that... At times, fans believe that they own the athletes because they're paying the tickets. To, they're paying for the tickets to go to the game, so they expect the athletes to do one thing, and that's perform on the field. And what they have to remember is that if that's their son, or their brother, or their cousin, or their father that are out there playing, they're gonna want their father and their cousin and brothers to feel as if they have a voice because they're human beings as well. So I think sometimes 
we are desensitized in, in terms of understanding that, yeah, it's a sport, but it's a sport that's played by people. And at the end of the day, the human element can never be lost in terms of the emotional attachment that comes with decision-making. Leonard Willer's final moments here, uh, sold-out sports talk on AFR. Uh, Leonard, about a minute left, and I, you know, one of the things that we always talk about is no matter what you do, you represent the Lord in everything that you do and say, and you are, yeah. you are having influence in so many different areas, but it never changes your focus in terms of the overall goal of glorifying God, does it? Brother, let me tell you, at the end of the day, that's my foundation. I believe that if we don't have, if we don't have anything to stand on, then we're going to fall for anything. And I believe that the Father, I gave my life to the Lord in 1994, and then He's continued to show me over and over and over that I can't put anything before Him. And as long as I continue to put Him first, and then everything else will be added unto that. Leonard Wheeler, former Viking, Panther, and a Cincinnati Bengal, and you can find him at Wheeler Enterprises at uh, LeonardWheeler.com, also on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram on those platforms. And, uh, Leonard, we always appreciate you coming in to Sold Out Sports Talk, and uh, I guess I'll look forward to seeing you here in about uh, 7 to 10 days in Minneapolis, and we'll see uh, who takes the big one home, right? Hey, brother, game on. Roman, I love you. I appreciate you. Thank you so much for always taking care of us, brother. Leonard Wheeler, when we come back, former Florida State Seminole and uh, Super Bowl champion, Tampa Bay Buccaneers. He also played for the Vikings. Brand Johnson will join us right here on Sold Out Sports Talk when we come back. Super Bowl winning quarterback, Super Bowl 37 with the Tampa Bay Buccaneers and a big victorious win over the Oakland Raiders. A 15-year career in the NFL. Uh, he's done it starting. He's done it backing up young quarterbacks. Florida State graduate. Great family guy and a guy that uh, we really appreciate coming into Sold Out Sports Talk. Our, our guest is quarterback Brad Johnson. Brad, how you doing? Doing great, Rome. I appreciate you having me on the show not know this my, my father who played with the rams for 16 years and the eagles has a record that's kind of dubious believe recovering three of his own fumbles you have an interesting stat of being the only quarterback i believe to have a pass tip to catch your own and, and score a touchdown well it was actually a um, it was a three-yard touchdown we we're playing against the i was in minnesota and um 1997 and uh, the play was a uh, dot left long whiz ripped out his little white stick route uh, to the tight end, I was trying to throw to Andy Glover, and uh, the ball got, I was trying to throw to him, the ball got tipped up the line of scrimmage, it came back to me, and then uh, I knew I couldn't throw, you can't throw a pass twice, once it's been a four pass, and I just started scrambling like Forrest Gump and just ran around and kind of dove in the end zone and uh, counted for a touchdown pass, touchdown catch, and uh, so it came down to 12 points in fantasy football, so somebody got happy that day, and uh, it, was, it was kind of a, it was definitely a unique Unique kind of a play. Well, you, we see that happen a lot in the NFL, where you have a tip pass and you either go and. and you, what made you want to catch it again, as opposed to knocking it down, which a lot of quarterbacks do in that situation? <laughs> I think it was just reaction. Um, if it had been four yards, I'd have been one yard short. So, uh, but the three yards kind of helped me get in there with my speed and um, all that kind of stuff. But, you know, it's it actually just an instinctive play. I play basketball at uh, Florida State, and you just kind of think about. 
you know, how, how would you play as a point guard and those kind of things. And just as is an instinctive play. I believe it was third down, so I had to kind of make the play when it happened. And because um, otherwise, you you tell for the field goal anyway. So it was a unique play for for all of us. Brad Johnson's our guest on Sold Out Sports Talk on AFR Talk. He was the winning quarterback of the Buccaneers, led them to the Super Bowl, and then a win over the Oakland Raiders in Super Bowl Thirty Seven. And you know, you guys, uh, we were talking about this when I saw you last. Uh, obviously, people are interested in John Gruden. Of course, Coach Gruden, you played for with the Bucks, and that was a huge Super Bowl win because he had been the coach of the Raiders, and and now he does ESPN does a great job on uh, Monday Night Football with Mike Tirico. Very interesting look. Of course, a lot of people compare him to John Madden. He's got that quirkiness. He's very honest about his opinion, but he obviously knows the game and, and loves the game. The show that he does with college quarterbacks where he brings in the top college quarterbacks each year, and he's done Cam Newton and Tebow, and uh, I believe this this year, you know, he had the, our two top guys, RG3, in and had uh, had uh, luck in there. You and I were talking, a lot of people ask me about that program, and it's really well done, obviously, because he spends a half hour with these quarterbacks. You told me that they spend eight hours with him? Yeah. <laughs> When you're with uh, Gruden, everything is more, uh, just more. I can't really explain it. When you're around him, you start making the facial expressions like him, uh, like Chucky. They call him the Chucky doll from <laughs> from the movie way back when. And uh, he's an unbelievable teacher. Uh, he has unbelievable enthusiasm. And the way he, he does on that show is the way he teaches as a quarterback, as a, as a QB coach or, or as the offense coordinator head coach. And um, his meetings, when I was with him, would maybe 8 to 5 in the offseason just Going over continuous film, and he brings these quarterbacks in. He he knows he's seen every place they played in college. They'll come in about seven in the morning. He'll spend about five and a half to six hours with them in the film room, and just he's going to teach them ball. He says if they're going to spend time with me, you know I'm I'm going to teach them football. I want them to leave with some knowledge, and we'll make a TV show out of it. And he goes throws with them for about an hour, and uh, and each kid they leave with you know wealth of knowledge, and and just like oh this is where the pro game is going. He, he'll build you up. He'll break you down as far as some plays you can improve on, and then he'll build you back up. And um, I did a show with him with Nick Foles, the quarterback from Arizona. Um, he's with Philadelphia Eagles now, had a really good preseason. And, it, I mean, I went in there, my armpits were sweaty all again. Just I felt like I was back playing again for John. And uh, he's, uh, he's a lot of fun to be around, and just a, really just a, a tremendous teacher. And it's been a great show. I think people kind of see, you know, how these quarterbacks are. It's a great uh, way to publicize them. And, um and just kind of get them ready for the combines and, you know, the NFL level. Well, not too far from where you grew up, Brad, in Boone, North Carolina, Appalachian State football. You went to Charles D. Owen High School nearby Black Mountain near Asheville, North Carolina. Of course, there's a very famous FCA camp that's there that so many young people's lives have been changed. And uh, I did not know you were from Black Mountain. That's awesome. Yeah, yeah I went to Owen High School. Uh, oh, uh, Black Mountain was one to put that together and uh, to make the high school uh, – the, the basketball player is always gone for was Brad Doherty. He went on to play Carolina and then Cleveland Cavaliers. And um, and then uh, Roy Williams, he actually was the coach there, uh, head coach in North Carolina. So it's kind of a, a unique deal. But a uh, small town, loved it there. And then uh, the SCA camps, what everybody knows. And then, uh, But also my dad ran Camp Ridgecrest and Camp Christers there for boys and girls for, for 25 years, was the head director. And then later on went to be uh, in Rome, Georgia, at very College, a place called uh, Camp Windshake. Uh, through Chick-fil-A. So it's kind of how we grew up in, uh, in summer camp. Well, you were talking about that FCA camp of Black Mountain, and uh, 
of course, playing for Bobby Bowden, I've, I've talked to so many former Florida State players who had such a great experience at FSU, and they talk about Coach Bowden, uh, the father figure that he's been to, to so many players and that they keep in touch with him. Uh, tell me about that relationship and, and how you came to go to Florida State and what was it about Coach Bowden that, that drew you there? Well, when I was coming out, I actually want to play uh, basketball at Florida State. I mean, basketball at uh, Georgia Tech. I, I, Bobby Crimmins was at Appalachian State all those years. I went as a little kid. I went to all his summer camps. and um, only, thing I could do was ever see, only thing I could ever see was playing basketball. And um, I made All-State in high school and all those kind of things. And, and you know, I was either a 6'5 white guy that couldn't jump or you know 6'5 quarterback. And at the time, that was kind of a prototypical deal coming out with uh, Benny Testaverde. Um and then I had to make a decision, you know, what I want to do, and I realized it. I met with Bobby Crimmins in his office, and he's like, uh, he's like, listen, I just signed an All-American here, and I, <laughs> his name was Dennis Scott. He said, I don't know, if you come here, you'll probably end up riding the riding the bench. And uh, so Bobby Crimmins kind of helped me make that decision if I was going to play uh, football or basketball. And then, you know, I didn't know where I really wanted to go. I to Carolina, Alabama, Virginia Tech, and, uh, and Georgia Tech with my schools. I just thought, you know, I was going to go to Florida State. I had some friends there, Terry Warren and uh, Scott Warren, that had gone to Florida State. So I kind of kept up when I was a little kid, and I knew it was a first-class place. I knew it was uh, Bobby Bowden, you know, had a great reputation, and they were on the cusp of, you know, recruiting some great players. And they were going at that time. They were going to Peach Bowls, Gator Bowls, All American Bowls, and then when I got and got there, I was playing with some unbelievable players, and that was kind of the beginning when they made the 14-year run as far as finishing the top four. Um, it was just a uh, playing for Coach Bowden was just a first-class place. Um, it treated you with respect. You worked hard. You worked your tail off, and they had a chance to win. And uh, that's really all you want. They had you know, great stability within the program. People weren't getting fired, or there wasn't that kind of pressure. It was, a, it was actually a, uh, a program that was being built, and uh, at the time, so it was, it was kind of neat to. It's awesome to say that I played for Coach Powell and to be a part of those great teams. When I was there, we won his 200th game. Uh, we thought he was a legend, man. He could retire at that time. He went on to win, I don't know, 460, 470 games or whatever it was, but. Uh, had a great impact on, on all of our lives. Talk about why he felt as though sharing his faith with his players was important and giving them an opportunity and an alternative to explore their faith. And, you know, so many of the players that I talk to, like you, talk about besides the winning on the football field, and, of course, this is kind of the same thing that Tony Dungy does with, with faith, family, and football, and, uh, it's the way that so many players live their life that are exemplary players, but more importantly, guys that make a difference and understand that their platform is something that lasts forever. Well, I, I mean, I, we were surrounded by great players. We had great programs. Um, I think if you're just trying to win a a job, if you're just trying to win a game, if you're just trying to win a national championship, or if you're just trying to win a Heisman, or if you're just trying to win a Super Bowl, I think that's kind of, um, it's so temporary and it's so hard to get, but it's, it's a great reward if you if you do that. But if, if that's if that's your whole life is surrounded by that, then you're you're missing you're just missing the boat. And um, so, you know, to, to you know, really to give your life to Christ and to you know submit, <laughs> um, and if you, you have to you know live for Him and live through Him, and uh, otherwise everything else is just it's just temporary and. Um, you know those things, the, the trophies, the, those kind of things. Those things rust, and what you have is uh, life and eternity in heaven forever. And that's 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 what you want, um, and um, that's that's what makes that's what makes 
this life so special is knowing that you have, you know, you have another, you have to live in heaven. That's, that's what you really want. Kurt Warner came out kind of a controversial statement. I didn't think it was, but from a father's perspective and said he, he really wasn't going to encourage his kids to play football. And we've had some other guys say that, and we've had other guys say, well, if they want to play, they will. What's your stance on that with youth football and with your kids at, uh, in, in football? Well, my, my kids love to play. They love to play. They've played since they're seven years old uh, with, you know, full pads, play football, baseball, basketball. Uh, in baseball, we wear all the Evo Shield stuff, the rib protectors, the chest protectors, all those kind of things. They wear a helmet when they bat. In football, they do wear helmets, and they wear a mouthpiece, and uh, it is a physical sport. At a young age, I think the key is a lot of times the right coaching, um, you know, not having the – make it enjoyable. And obviously, knowing safety is an issue. Um, we don't do any crazy, crazy hitting. I'm the coach of a bunch of kids. I've been head coach for four years for youth football. And just kind of, you know, a lot of times we end up tackling dummies and kind of making it more fun at that age. And then the hits, it, it, you know, it, it is a balanced sport. The older you get, the harder the hits become. And uh, safety, it is it's prevalent. It's an issue at, uh, at all ages. But um, I have no problem with the kids playing. And I think the biggest thing is knowing, you know, you know put the big kids against big kids, the small kids, or uh, athletic ability against the you know, same kind of level of ability. And um, I, don't have a, I don't have an issue with it. Brad Johnson, our guest on Sold Out Sports Talk on AFR. You've been listening to Sold Out Sports Talk with Roman Gabriel III. Our podcasts are available at AFR.net. You can follow Roman on his official website, soldouttv.com, and on Facebook at Roman Gabriel 3. We'll catch you next time on Sold Out Sports Talk, your source for faith, family, and sports.